when I was dancing really hard and just pushing myself so much and working so many hours, I was in the throes of an eating disorder. And I was severely bulimic for five years in my early 20s. And that was a very clear sign to me (laughs) that there was something really radically wrong with my lifestyle. Um, That the way I was pushing myself, my perfectionist mentality, um, this workhorse mentality was was really self-destructive. And I found myself in this behavior pattern that I I had created a cage for myself in my mind. I, I didn't know how to get out of it. And so when I hit rock bottom with my eating disorder, that's when things had to really shift because I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm literally self-destructing from the inside out. And though I have this persona of everything's awesome on the outside and I'm this perfect dancer and this perfect teacher, inside I was self-destructing. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hello, hello, girlfriends, and welcome to another awesome um, episode of Girl Skill. And I'm already smiling because when I think of this amazing woman, I also think about her husband and uh, I always laugh when I see him and he's such a celebrity in the personal growth slash comedy space. And um, not sure if you know who I'm talking about, but I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second. I have uh, two quick announcements to make. Number one is that I have created a women's circle group on Facebook, which is really, I didn't, for the lack of a better term, I suppose, but I, I really crave a community. I really crave connecting to women around the world who are on the same journey as me, um, which is the journey of femininity, a feminine depth on womanhood. And uh, this is also connected to how the podcast and the stuff that I'm writing online and my coaching is um, basically shaping this message of girl skill and my work and my writing and my conversations with women are, are really going to be about about and for, uh, and for women who who want to step want to step on the journey of femininity and womanhood or have stepped already and are just looking for more inspiration more women and to know they're that they're not alone you know i get a lot of messages personally that from women telling me anna i'm on the same journey but publicly um it's a little bit scary to put yourself out there and share your views about you know wanting to be with a masculine partner about not surrendering to all of the female empowerment slogans and so on and so on and so I want to create this safe space for women to share their truth and share their voices and uh, let you know that it's okay if you're on the journey and there's a place for you and um, I plan to have to have these like women's groups uh, online where maybe we would on the full moon where I can answer a lot of questions and we can connect and we can discuss a uh, deep powerful subjects um, and yeah, just sharing my writing there, sharing the episodes and sharing a lot of great stuff. And I've been pivoting already and I've just been having so many amazing conversations with women. I was like, oh my God, this is what I need to be talking about with women more and more. Because, you know, this the podcasting space, there's so many great women out there. There are millions of women that I could interview. In fact, I couldn't interview any woman. But now I'm becoming very, very curious about how do women 
stay feminine at work in business? Can we really do this? You know, how can we arrive the feminine depth and really get connected to, to our feminine body, to our female body, to our cycles and still live a life as ambitious driven women where we don't have to prove anything to anyone. Anyways, uh, find us on Facebook at girlskill.com slash circle. And that's going to redirect you to the Facebook group. And I would love to hear from you, uh, introduce yourself, your story and um, tell us who you are really. And uh, in all these Facebook groups, I know there's so many. So I want to create a space where we're really engaging and connecting. And uh, so far, Facebook is the best place to do that because all of us are there. And so also connected to this message for those of you who are new and uh, haven't signed up yet for the live female success webinar where I share my journey actually to coming to where I am today. You know, I've interviewed more than 100 women now about female success and their journeys. I'm coaching women to femininity um, and uh, feminine in embodiment specifically, which is an amazing subject. Uh, go to girlskill.com slash webinar, sign up for the webinar, and I can't wait to hear from you what you think about it. All right, let's get into today's episode. <laughs> so I'm interviewing Amber Sears, who is the wife, the newlywed wife to JP Sears. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners here, you have heard of JP and probably watched uh, some of his videos on YouTube who have millions of views. And he's like these uh, red haired guy who just basically makes fun of the uh, spiritual spiritual community and the gluten-free um, you know trends and how to be a coach and all of that stuff I love the guy I always laugh at his emails and his videos so I talked to Amber and Amber is an incredible woman and um, this episode is about you know, us talking about actually our relationships, her relationship with JP, also uh, healing through ayahuasca. And um, so Amber actually is an international Pilates and yoga teacher, a professional contemporary dancer, holistic nutritionist, and a business coach from Santa Cruz, California. And over the last 10 years, she's really taught that some of the world's uh, most clubs, retreat centers, and festivals, including Equinox, San Francisco, Yoga Works, Bali Spirit Festival, and Vision Festival. And Amber is an adventurous entrepreneur, deeply passionate about positivity um, and uh, conscious living. So we talked to her about the power of ayahuasca and other alternative medicine plants. As some of you know, I've done my ayahuasca journey in Brazil, I think about two years ago or one year ago. So that was an amazing story. And we talk about the healing properties of the plant and, and why people do it and how can it influence our lives and so on and so on. And what's interesting about Amber's story is that, you know, in her 20s, she really had days, you know, 16 hour work days and ongoing battle with bulimia and spiritual and physical imbalances that were causing her uh, basically to self-destruct. And uh, one day she was invited to teach at um, Envision Festival in Costa Rica that I really want to attend and saw that there was something missing in her life that she could really find on the island. And so our conversation is is so deep and rich and, and we just talk about so many different things. It's just fascinating, you know, and she also uh, shares with us how you can find a retreat um, based on ayahuasca and she actually runs her own retreats, which is fascinating. I would love to come and, and, and join her actually, but 
fortunately. Maybe unfortunately I'm pregnant. <laughs> so that will have to wait. But anyway, stay until the end of the episode um, to find out four ayahuasca retreats to help you open yourself up to a deeper connection with yourself and the world around you. Six people to follow for inspiration, education, and maybe even a laugh or two. And four books if you want to learn about ayahuasca emotional health and work-life balance. And um, enjoy this episode. Amber and I are very, very similar in our journey to femininity and womanhood. And I just absolutely loved it. Girl skill. Female success. Redefined. Today, we have the amazing Amber Sears all the way from Austin, Texas with us. And I'm super excited to be talking to her. Hi, Amber. Welcome to Girl Skill. Hey, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> me too. All right, let's uh, jump right in. So tell me, Amber, what is the one thing that you cannot live without? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I would say I cannot live without the... Oh, wow. Um, I've had to narrow it down. I would say I cannot live without connection to nature being like fully immersed and, and in nature daily, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your superpower? Mm. My superpower is definitely seeing uh, people's gifts, seeing their potential, seeing their patterns. You know, um, as a coach, it's, uh, it's, I'd say my gift is really uh, being able to inspire and empower someone to really believe in themselves and, and really tap into that potential fully. Mm-hmm. Mm, love that. What would yeah. be the, what would be the title of your autobiography? Mm. <laughs> Probably something along the lines of uh, weaving the the heart centered dream or weaving the 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 dream of the heart, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Love it. Who is the one, one person dead or alive that you'd love to have dinner with? Hmm. I think I'd love to have dinner with Oprah. Hmm. Actually, actually, I, as much as I love Oprah, I'm going to, I'm going to say Ellen DeGeneres. Say <laughs> yeah. She's one of the most, um, yeah, I'd say just amazing individuals that we have, uh, like in history and, and now. So yeah, I'd say Ellen. Awesome. Well, I feel like this question is uh, very close to your heart, but if you were a comedian, what would you be making fun of and why? I guess that's your husband's job in this <laughs> marriage, but then... Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, guys, is... what would I make fun of? You know, and it's funny because I probably would make fun of the things I'm really like passionate and serious about, which is basically like who I am, right? But, um, but you know, to, to take that back, like I really do think that there's so much light that can be shared through comedy. So um, yeah, I think, you know, making fun of ourselves, I've learned it's one of the most powerful like alchemists we can have in our lives and being able to not take ourselves so seriously. JP's taught me a lot about that. So mm-hmm. I would say it's, yeah, kind of, you know, making fun of um, the conscious community, the spiritual community with that we are both heavily involved in. Um, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind, let's say. Mm, awesome. What is your favorite silly activity? Silly activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love to... Uh, play in the pool so we like for the first time in my life I have a pool in my backyard so we've just been like playing like kids we'll like throw a tennis ball around jump in the pool splash around like just be super silly like I love being a mermaid I love pretending I'm a mermaid so um, anything at the beach anything in a pool in water um, we are just like little kids yeah basically together when we're in water and going on adventures Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Love it, love it. Now, a bit of a serious question. What is your uh, biggest fear? Mm. I'd say my biggest fear is that I won't uh, live up to my fullest potential in this life. You know, there's a lot of, I feel like I have a really, really big mission and, um, and I know it very clearly. And so it's one of those things where I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, do the best you can today. You know, all you can do is, is breathe and, and do your best. And, and that's all you can ever ask of yourself. But I'd say it's not, not really living up to what it is. I know I'm here to do. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to ask you a follow up question. So what are you here to do? What is the big mission? Uh, the big mission is to raise the collective consciousness. So it's to really raise the vibration of, of humanity. And there's that, there's a lot of us here doing that, that light work, let's say. Um, but that's a huge part of my mission is helping, uh, women rise, which is why I'm so excited to be chatting with you, Anna. You know, I love all of your work and I think it's, it's so important. We're in a very pivotal time right now in history where women are on the rise in terms of their empowerment, their being willing to, to really speak and embody their truth and stand up for what they believe in. And I strongly feel women are here to radically change the, the old paradigms and usher in a new paradigm of love and connection and equality. And um, so, yeah, I'd say that's a huge, huge aspect of it. <laughs> mm, love it. All right, let's finish this segment with the last question. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you about life right now and why? Wow. Okay. So I, I'm very excited about life right now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in this big transition period. I've moved back to the States part-time, but I think what I'm so excited about is this new community in Austin. There's thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs here, many, many women entrepreneurs. I just connected with a group of 2,600 women entrepreneurs in Austin alone, and it's growing by the day. Like there's like, you know, 10 new members a day. So it's just, it's so exciting to see this shift happening, like the, the consciousness shift happening, the awakening happening, let's say, of humanity, but really with women, it's so inspiring to me. So just being able to connect more. I've been in Costa Rica for five years. So there's like a, though I love Costa Rica, it's very limited, let's say, and how many people you're able to work with. And um, the, the population isn't a huge population. So it's just beautiful to be able to come back to the States and really see the shift happening and be able to really dive in and help people. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about building tribe. Uh, specifically sisterhood here in Austin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we just talked about <clears throat> before we started recording how I shared with you you know, I've, I've also ha like felt that pull. I want to be surrounded by, you know, women or men or whatever, by a community who does the same things, who is, is like excited, a lot of drive, there is a lot of enthusiasm and, um, you know, and then yes. like, we, I just, because I lived in Bali and Thailand, like Mexico. And at one point you just get a bit tired of like, you know, I'm going to sound like a white privileged woman probably, but like you get tired <laughs> of, you know, things not working. And then, yeah. then, then there's like underlining cultural things that you're just like, why is this working this way? Like I can't do this anymore. And then, and right. then you move somewhere like, you know, US or Europe, things are working. And then, so being, so I've been in Spain for a couple of months now and I think four yeah. or five. And now I'm actually missing, you know, Bali or Thailand. Yeah. You're like, what do you want? Like, what the hell? Listen, there's never a perfect place i suppose but as we talked i agree yeah i guess having a home base um i suppose in a couple of different locations and and i also feel very connected to nature i was looking through your instagram and it's it's amazing and i, I miss the times in thailand Copenhagen, and you yes. know, all these amazing yes. places so <laughs> yes yeah it's truly amazing <laughs> 
Uh, all right. So uh, now, Amber, please tell us who you are and what kind of work you do. Sure. So uh, my name is Amber Sears, clearly. And um, my specialty right now, like my evolution has been, um, wow, just like so vast in terms of what I used to do and what I do now. And so I'm happy to share that story. But um, I currently am producing shamanic yoga retreats and yoga teacher training programs, uh, eco chef teacher training programs. I also do a lot of online business coaching for health and wellness entrepreneurs who basically want to create a business similar to mine, travel the world, live and work from their laptop, um, have that location independent lifestyle. Um, and so really though, like the heart of my work is very much dedicated to helping people heal, empowering people to really step into their power fully by letting go of what's no longer serving them in many areas of their life, whether that's nutrition, that's movement, that's spirituality. So um, my background is as a dancer. I grew up as a competitive dancer and I went to college for dance performance and choreography and ended up dancing professionally in San Francisco for eight years. And so dance was always like the core of, of who I was, right? My like initial identity, let's say. And I, from that really uh, fell in love with Pilates and yoga. So I went through my certifications. I've been teaching now for over 10 years, Pilates, yoga. And I also at the time went through plant-based nutrition um, certification. So I've been coaching people on how to transition into a plant-based diet for many, many, many years. And so there's been many healing modalities along the way that have really radically changed my life. And so I love teaching those and sharing those with other people. Um, so my programs include all of these things, whether it's, um, you know, daily yoga classes, myofascial, myofascial release classes, um, 100% organic, vegan um, cuisine, day adventures. You know, as a traveler myself, I, I love exploring um, many, many different, you know, countries all over the world. And I've traveled a lot. And so travel, it was a, I knew I wanted it to be a big part of my life. And so I wove that into my business model and was like, I really want to have this location-independent lifestyle um, so that I can include all these things um, my experiences for people um, and then also a big part of my journey has been working with ayahuasca um, mm -hmm. uh, sacred plant medicine so I sat in my first ceremony five years ago that radically changed my life as well you know I had a big <laughs> healing spiritual awakening uh, and that's really I stepped onto that path in a really powerful way. Um, in a way, you know, if you told me five years ago, this would be my life today, I would have laughed at you and said, you're crazy. That's definitely not going to be me. But it's it's been a beautiful, powerful path, um, one that feels like home. And so I, I'm really living on my purpose more so than ever before right now. <laughs> mm, love that. And then... And, you know, you, you resemble someone who's managed to take, clearly you're multi-passionate, um, yeah, someone who's so. managed to take, you know, all of these different parts of everything you've been doing so far, everything you love, you have a mission and you've just created a lifestyle out of the things that you love doing and like, you know, looking at just different things that you're doing. It's like, how do they all fit together? Business training and eco chef retreats and yes. yoga and shamanic things and plant-based, you know, but yeah. you really, um, manage to put it all together in a way that fits you and fits your lifestyle. So that's exciting. So today for all the listeners, we're going to be diving in because we can go into a hundred different directions. But <laughs> yeah, sure. I found really interesting. I, I love that you're doing retreats and I feel like, yeah. you know, we, so there was a shift to move to online world, like, right? Like all of the trainings and teachings and there's so yeah. much stuff online happening. And yeah. I think in the last year I've been really mm, feeling the need to actually connect more 
to nature, to people on a physical level. And, and yes. I feel like we're now almost like shifting into a different, like going back yes. <laughs> to, uh-huh. to actually meeting in person, meeting on location. That's why I love what you, you're doing because it's yeah. really about coming together and, and being on the retreat. And I love going on the retreats and everything. Um, <laughs> but what I found mostly interesting is how you how you're creating this truly transformative and healing retreats with uh, plant yeah. medicines and all of that. So we're going to definitely talk about that. And then one small fact for everyone listening is that, um, Amber, you just recently got married to the one and only J.P. Sears. <laughs> yes. Therefore, your last name is uh, Sears. And yes. for I think most of the listeners would know, but J.P. Sears is this like, oh God, I love his videos. Uh, <laughs> redheaded. I, I would describe him as like a long hair, redheaded guy and he who makes fun of the conscious living and spirituality <laughs> and all of these like, yeah. you know, gluten freak me and all of that. I haven't watched all of the videos, but if you know, like a, a ginger redheaded guy, that's, <laughs> that's J.P. Sears and Ember's... Um, recent husband so we're going to talk about yeah. that because you have very interesting well not interesting but um i'd say an open-minded and um spiritual so to say um approach to relationships and soulmates and everything which i happen to share yes. so i would love if we could talk about that as well so these are the two kind of uh, big subjects we're going to dive into right after i um answer you my two questions that i ask all women on the show Sure. <laughs> so the first one is Amber. Uh, do you feel like you're successful and why? Mm. I, I definitely feel extremely successful. And how I define my success is uh, number one, really living on purpose, um, having balance, having balance in all aspects of my life. So not only just being able to sustain myself and have financial abundance through my business, but being able to be really fulfilled through my work. Um, that's really, really important to me, more, more so than making money like I'm very, very hard driven. So it's, it's all about fulfillment and being able to give back and and make an impact on people's lives. And so the fact that I can do that and be financially abundant is, is amazing. And I love teaching that to other people. Um, also I have like the love of my life in my life. You know, I think for many entrepreneurs that is often a missing piece and I'm just feeling so successful in the, in that realm as well that like, you know, I have done the personal work, the interpersonal work to get to a place where I can attract my ideal partner and I can really have an amazing relationship because I have the, the skills now to really communicate clearly and, and work together as a, as a, as a growing, expanding couple. So, mm-hmm. um, and I also, uh, define my success as, as having um, but really great work-life balance. So being able to take a couple hours a day and go take care of myself, go out in nature, go on adventures, like just having a, a better work-life balance. Because for most of my entrepreneur journey, I didn't. <laughs> I was very, you know, hardcore all in working 16 hours a day. And so I really worked hard to achieve that balance for myself. So mm that's how I really uh, quantify success, being able to have like really great deep connections with the people in my life and having the time for them and just being able to really have a good quality of life, basically. Mm -hmm. So I love what you share about relationships because, you know, I I feel like, uh, like it's, it's such a big part of of our lives. I mean, for women and men, but I feel like not, there's not, not all of us are talking about, uh, you know, a healthy, um, rising together as you said relationship is a big part of our success and I 100% um, agree with you that it is and something else that you mentioned which we're going to talk about 
later a little bit um, is how, and I went on the same journey, is how I have transformed and healed and, mm-hmm. you know, just develop, how you said you develop the skills first within yeah. yourself. Um, and this is where you met your partner, which which happened to me. And, and that's why I'm able to create the relate. I'm actually... Remember, I'm four and a half months pregnant now, by the way. Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. That's Thank you. And it's amazing how when you meet that person, when you're ready and you've done the work first on yourself, yeah. then mm-hmm. everything connects and happens really fast. And I know you got engaged after what, like nine months? <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, yeah, absolutely. It happens so fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when two people are in the same lane and, and you know, going to the same direction, uh, who are ready to rise together, then everything is just like a, you know, super fast. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, awesome. So let me, before I ask you the next question, which is about femininity, very curious what what is your view on that? You sure. mentioned something. So you mentioned a comparison between Amber in the past and then yes. Amber today and how I'm assuming that, you know, so, so you've described for us your version of success today and why you feel mm. successful as, you know, you're, uh, you have a work-life balance. You're very heart-driven. Purpose is important to you, balance and fulfillment. Um, but I'm also assuming that the Amber of the past, let's say, who was working 16 hours a day, also yeah. considered herself, quote-unquote, successful by some other yeah. kind of standard. So could you tell me about the difference between that Amber who thought, um, you know, she was successful but yes. by, by another definition or uh, by another standard. And, and tell me about that. And then when did the transformation actually happen? And how did you get to, to being, you know, to actually living the true version of success of, you know, your life today? Great. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, the old Amber, I think back to six, seven years ago when I was at the peak of my dance career, living in San Francisco, I had just, you know, six to seven private clients a day. Uh, I was working seven days a week. I had like half a Sunday off. I was fully living what at the time I thought was like my fullest purpose, which was teaching Pilates, yoga, nutrition, like just really helping people, um, hands-on every day, uh, living my, my passion, which was movement and, uh, nutrition. And my, I, my definition of success was at the time was like, I want a full book of clients. I want, um, to be paid well hourly, which I was, I was paid at the, you know, the highest the market could handle. Um, at that time in San Francisco, I had amazing clients that were with me for years. Um, I was producing retreats and, various locations like Mexico, Costa Rica, Australia, Bali. Like I was, I was, I was living my ideal of, I wasn't completely location independent yet, but, and that was my goal, but I was successful in the way that, um, I, I thought, I was successful in the health and wellness, like Pilates yoga realm. Like that, that's what like my definition of success was just, mm-hmm. okay, I'm like busy. I'm making great money. I'm living in an awesome city. I have this great lifestyle. I can travel. Um, I'm single. I can like do whatever I want, whenever I want. You know, that was kind of the, also as a dancer, you know, my identity was really wrapped up in this whole dance dream. So it was like, I was dancing with the best companies in San Francisco. Um, not, uh, let's say like the, the San Francisco ballet, because that wasn't my, my trajectory, but with the best modern dance companies. And so my achievement, like how I've, fulfilled myself was thinking like, okay, I'm awesome. Like I, 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 I'm working with these companies now. And Mm -hmm. what really started to shift for me was once I started to achieve those things, I realized 
this isn't really what I want. Like I'm, I'm dancing with the best companies that I have always wanted to dance for. I've worked for years to get into these companies. And I realized like, I don't actually like this. I'm, I'm, I feel like a racehorse. It's kind of in the dance world. It's like your choreographers tell you to jump and you ask how high, you know, you're, you're really a racehorse. And, um, and you're just, um, I, I realized I don't want this lifestyle. I I'm pushing my body to an extreme that isn't actually serving me as much as I love to dance. It's not serving me to work on in this sort of environment. I want to be my own boss completely. You know, I don't want anyone kind of telling me like, this is who you need to be and where you need to be and how perfect you need to be and all these different and let things. Me- let me interrupt you for a second. So uh, yeah. first of all, I love the metaphor of a racehorse because yeah. I, so I just released my webinar and by the, by the time, you know, this interview is released, it's going to be a bit further, but you know, my webinar is called the lie of female success and how it's keeping us all stuck and drained, blah, blah. And I, I use the metaphor of the horse there. Oh, and really? Like, yeah. So, so the, there is this like, not a racehorse, but like a working horse versus yes. a wild free horse. And I yes. didn't compare it necessarily to women, but um, I had an awakening moment myself where I woke up one day and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to work like a horse. Like this is, <laughs> you know, this yes. is not, this is not how, why I was put on this earth, especially yes. as a woman. Yes. I'm not supposed to be pushing so hard that, oh my God, I don't know, all of my muscles and veins are like, you know, just bursting out of my body. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. So I love that you mentioned that. And then can you tell me how, what was the most, so I'm curious about the transition. When did you realize or how did it feel in your body, in your mind, or what did you start feeling or thinking that made you realize that, okay, something needs to change. I need to get out of here. You know, I, I was during this time, like in my early twenties, when I was dancing really hard and just pushing myself so much mm-hmm. and working so many hours, I was in the throes of an eating disorder and I was severely bulimic for five years in my early twenties. And that was a very clear sign to me <laughs> that there was something really mm-hmm. radically wrong with my lifestyle. Um, that the way I was pushing myself, my perfectionist mentality, um, this workhorse mentality was, was really self-destructive. And I found myself in this behavior pattern that I, I had created a cage for myself in my mind. I, I didn't know how to get out of it. And so when I hit rock bottom with my eating disorder, that's when things had to really shift because I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm literally self-destructing from the inside out. And though I have this persona of everything's awesome on the outside and I'm this perfect dancer and this perfect teacher hmm. inside, I was self-destructing. And so I hit a rock bottom with that. And I, and then I'd say a couple years later, because I was still figuring out like, how do I get out of this? How do I shift my lifestyle so that I can number one, make more money. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not kind of trapped in the hourly based rate because that was just Mm -hmm. the the standard in that industry. You're making hundred bucks an hour. You're, you're, you cannot make more per hour and you can't work more hours. You know, I was already working so many hours a day. And so I was really trying to figure out how do I, how do I shift this for myself? Then I was invited to teach at the Envision Festival in Costa Rica. This was five years ago. And this was the really radical turning point. I came down to Costa Rica to teach and I literally saw all of these people living their dreams, like literally living these beautiful lifestyles, living in paradise, running these retreat centers and yoga studios and really, you know, doing the things I'm passionate about, but doing it on a level where they're just wild and free. They're not in the grind of a city. They just have much better work-life balance. You know, they're, they're connected to the earth. They have tribe. Like I just, I saw this and I said, oh my gosh, if they can do it, 
I can do it too. And so Costa Rica cracked open my heart and really made me realize what I was missing in my life. That all these other aspects of my life that I had just been putting to the wayside, friends, relationships with, with a, a partner, like a romantic partner, um, just having better work-life balance, all these things that I just had pushed away, I thought were not important, came to the forefront and was like, Amber, this is what you need in your life. <laughs> and I felt so amazing in Costa Rica that I, I then went back to San Francisco and I looked at my life and I said, this is no longer working. I have to radically change this because I felt something and experienced something that is what I really want. And so that's like literally four or five months later, I sold everything. I closed my entire client practice, like all of my private clients, my classes. Um, I left all the studios I was teaching at and I moved to Costa Rica to open up a wellness center. Mm -hmm. And that move, though challenging, going from like the heart of the grind in San Francisco to a beautiful, slow-paced, tropical, Central American country, um, it was a really radical shift, but I needed that. I needed that really big wake up um, to, to push me out because I was very stubborn, you know, very proud of my achievements. And I, but I really knew I needed healing. I, deep down, like I was really still recovering from the eating disorder. I needed to just really uh, find myself again um, mm -hmm. and reconnect to what matters. And so, you know, the last five years in Costa Rica have been extremely healing, extremely transformative. Um, so it was, it was the, the, greatest decision I've ever made in my life for myself, I'd say. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And and so it's it's really interesting how these things happen a lot of the times at events that we go to. And, and yes. um, you know, for everyone, well, it's either an event or a, like a bigger action that, that we do. You know, we either start working with someone or we go to an event and we're totally out of our comfort zone. We're like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what? Is this even possible? Is this lifestyle even possible? That happened to me as well. Um, so for everyone listening, you know, if there's an event or something that you are called um, to go to or do, uh, just do it because, because you never know. This might start a complete transformation like you did in Amber's case. And so, Amber, how did you have the car? to actually like sell everything and leave your life behind and <clears throat> and go did you have some sort of inherent trust that everything will be okay or how because I mean this is a pretty big move right like you're selling it was yeah leaving everything was, behind was it scary and and how did you have the the courage to do it you know I think I had um for me one of the, the biggest catalysts in my life has always been travel and so I, like when I was younger, I went on a, on a solo backpacking trip around Australia for a year. I bought a one-way ticket to Australia. I kind of went through another, let's say smaller version of the Costa Rica jump when I was 23 years old. I just graduated college. I was super burned out, uh, kind of similar pattern, right? Like super burned out, needed to just figure out who Amber was outside of my dance identity, outside of this like, you know, movement educator, nutritionist, like I needed to really break free of that and experience other aspects of life. And so travel has always been such a huge catalyst, immersing in different cultures, different environments, uh, meeting new people from all over the world, really opening up my perspective as to what's possible for myself. And so this was a kind of a pattern for me. I knew that it was a, a way for me to really kickstart a, a lot of change, but it was terrifying for me because for me to leave my dance identity, to leave my life as a professional dancer when that was my whole life. But I knew that my soul knew really deep down. Like I remember being in Costa Rica and I had this really strong intuitive knowing, like I remember it so vividly um, where I just had this thought like, Oh my gosh, 
this kind of channel opened up inside of me and it was like, Amber, this could be that dream that you've been writing about for years, you know, where you live in a tropical paradise, you run your, you know, your dream studio, um, you're doing what you love, but you're doing it in an environment that really nourishes you. Hmm. And you can like build your life here and have your babies here. And like, you know, this whole thing, I had this whole vision of what I wanted for myself. And so though I was really scared, I knew my, my heart was calling me there and hmm. all the logic, like, um, I, I couldn't fight my heart at that point. Um, and I think a lot of, I needed that really strong intuitive hit to be able to make that shift. And so when I moved down to Costa Rica, I didn't know the language. I didn't have any friends. Like the, the one friend who invited me to teach at the Envision Festival lived an hour and a half away from, you know, my, my home base in Manuel Antonio. Um, but I think for me, I just knew that uh, I had the, the drive, the work ethic. I trusted myself to make things happen, to like find the solutions if I was having issues down there to like, and, and worst of worst case scenario, I could always go back. I could always go back to San Francisco. Right. I could always, you know, go back to my clients and rebuild the life I, I had had there. Cause I knew that really well, you know, like that was a formula I had mastered. And so I thought, you know, the worst case scenario is that I go back to San Francisco. I dive right back into the things I was doing and I can begin again. Um, so that was kind of my mindset going into it. And I initially wanted to just do like six months in Costa Rica, six months in the U S that was my <laughs> ideal thing. And then once I got down there, I realized, wait, like this is way better. <laughs> Why don't I just stay here full time and, and run my business here. So that's, that's what I ended up doing. Um, I just felt so right being there. Yeah. Mm, awesome. Love it. All right. So let's talk about femininity. Um, yes. Amber, what is your, um, idea or what is your definition of femininity? Mm. Yeah, this has changed so much over the years too. I feel like now I have a much better understanding of what it means to me. Um, femininity is leading from the heart for me. Um, it's being compassionate. It's being powerful, standing in your power fully as a woman, um, as a leader, as a healer. Um, it's really very heart-centered, I'd say. Um, it's being willing to speak your truth and embody, embody your truth. Um, but coming from a very compassionate, loving place, I feel that um, women are absolute, incredible nurturers, healers, just by nature. And um, unfortunately, I think, you know, the way I was raised and the way a lot of women are raised in modern day society today, they're raised thinking like to be successful, to be a leader, I need to be more masculine. And I very much was that. I was that really masculine kind of dictator type boss, you know, when I had, you know, staff working for me, it was, mm -hmm. I found myself playing that role, wearing the pants. And over the last five years, it's really been this softening of realizing that I can be very feminine and very womanly in the way that I, um, teach the way that I lead, the way that I build community. You know, I think women are very community oriented as well. And so I've really fallen into that softness of like being vulnerable, being willing to be vulnerable, but being really powerful within that, you know, being courageously vulnerable. Um, I always say, I think is a huge aspect of, of, uh, the power of women and our emotions and our intuition. Um, there's so many gifts that women have that we've not, we've not been taught our gifts. <laughs> we've been taught that, that, you know, our, our moon cycles and our emotions are, are negative things, but in actuality, they are very, very powerful signs and, you know, intuitive messages for us. Um, that, that moon cycle is, is part of our magic. We can give birth. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And, um, so I've just had this whole color, let's say re-education in, in what it means to really be a woman um, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. So I'd say that's my definition. 
Oh my goodness, this is like everything. So this is everything I talk about in because yeah. um, this is the big thing thing for me. I just launched it and you know the the webinar that I have. So everyone listening, I'm gonna do a little pitch here, Amber. Please uh, <laughs> go, for it, go for it. If you go to girlskill.com slash webinar, you can sign up for the webinar where I talk about all of um all of it. And you know, mm-hmm. Amber, I had the same realization and that exactly you don't have to wear the pants you don't have to be a man you don't have to push that hard to actually live a life um you know over your dreams and really connect to your womanhood and your femininity and especially like you mentioned birth right like i'm pregnant now and (laughs) yes it's been such a transformation just to think about it and and really Oh, there's just so many aspects of it, and I, I love your definition of it. And, and you're right; nobody taught us, and we have yeah. been, you know, and success for us is basically the, the masculine version of success, which is not right. not ours. And that's why the racehorse we're not we're not built to be a racehorse, you know. We're, no, um, definitely not <laughs> built to be to be wild and free, and then um, yeah, in, embody those gifts. So thank you for sharing that; I really appreciate it. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the, uh, let's talk about the healing, um, and transformative retreats that you're sure. currently, uh, leading. And I think they're, are they only now in Costa Rica or in Thailand as well? Yeah. So they're, they're only based in Costa Rica. Like the, my retreats are in Costa Rica. I have a uh, 30 day teacher trainings that are in uh, Costa Rica, Thailand and Guatemala. So mm-hmm. those are the, the longer programs, but, um, yeah, the five day shamanic yoga retreat, uh, to kind of put it in a nutshell, um, it's called the Epic Awakening and it's a five day experience and it incorporates all the different modalities that I know have been so transformative in my life. So Pilates, yoga, myofascial release work, um, what is, let me interrupt you. What is myo, how do you, how do you say that? Myofascial, yeah. facial, facial, yeah. facial, I'm like, what, yeah. what the hell does that mean? What is that? So, so myofascial release work is dedicated to working on the fascial networks in the body. So fascial tissue is connective tissue, a simple kind of word for it. It basically, it's all the tissue that wraps the organs, the joints, it weaves through the muscles. It basically is kind of like the outer layer that encapsulates the, the muscularity of our bodies. So um, the work that I do with, with that fascial tissue, um, basically it helps people release a ton of t- pain and tension that they're unknowingly holding in their body. So there's only so much we can do with, with movement in terms of helping someone remedy their imbalances, release tension, things like that. But when you're working on the fascial tissues, which most people have no idea even exist, or that they are like the root of their issues in terms of pain and, and, and poor range of motion and mobility and things like that. So I use tennis balls and foam rollers. You've probably seen a foam roller like at the gym. Mm-hmm. And so that when you roll on a roller, that's what you're doing is you're releasing the fascial tissue. You're helping it soften and, and release so that your body can just basically um, function in a much more open, happy place. <laughs> um, not so constricted. Yeah. So I've, I've done my yoga teacher training, by the way, last year. Um, and cool. I think I know what you mean, like fascia is in, is in the connective tissue that, yes. that that's on the body. And, and I know that like yin yoga is really helpful for, yes. is that the same kind of concept? Well, so, so yin is long, long held poses that help you access those, those uh, fascial tissues just because mm-hmm. of the length of the hold. But really what we're doing with the like, tennis balls and the foam rollers, and, and there's a lot of other little tools you can use, is you're really digging in. Like It's almost like you're raking through the fascial tissues and helping them soften, release, open um, in a way that you really can't do with just 
poses, just holding poses. So it's, it's, it's really, let's say it's more like a deep tissue massage with tennis balls that allow. So I use tennis balls just because that's like a really simple tool for people to buy once they go home, you know, it's a $2 tennis ball they can use anywhere they travel at home. And it just allows them to, to really release a lot of tension that they don't know they're holding. It's kind of like this subconscious tension that's really wreaking havoc. Like some people have complete areas of their bodies that are like, um, they're, they're just like stuck in this, this one position. They're held in this one position by the fascial tissues. And no matter how much movement, stretching, strength training they do, there's nothing that's going to release that until they actually pinpoint it with tennis balls, with foam rollers, mm-hmm. other tools. Once they start releasing that, everything shifts in terms of how their posture, um, you know, mm-hmm. the alignment of their posture, the way they walk. Yeah. So it's, it's, if you guys haven't like uh, heard of this before definitely check it out it's literally like my magic wand as a as a movement teacher as a dancer I mean I, I found it as a dancer because many of us dancers have like acute and chronic injuries you know just constantly mm-hmm. and so I found this was an amazing tool for helping me basically open up my body before performing before training and, and um And then it was also an amazing recovery tool. So it helped me Hmm. basically reduce how much soreness I had after a a really intense training. Um, So I would recover faster. I could endure longer. Like my range of motion in my joints just radically improved. It was very magical for for me. Um, And so that's why I started teaching it to everybody from professional dancers to 70, 80 year olds who have major chronic pain. Um, but they, with a simple, like two minute rollout of a ball, you know, on their foot, they can release a ton of pain really quickly. So that's, mm. that's why I love teaching it. Mm-hmm. Mm, awesome. And so these retreats are like immersive five day experiences where people, yes. you know, where you teach them yoga, Pilates and this myofascia, still can't pronounce that. Um, that's okay. <laughs> and, and you are all plant-based. So you're, Yes. Vegan. Are you raw vegan or vegan? So, so I've been, I was raw vegan hundred percent for nine years and I used to only have raw vegan retreats and I've transitioned into cooked, uh, more cooked. So I'd say it's like 60 cooked, 40% raw vegan. Um, but it's all organic of course. And, um, Mm -hmm. we also add in lots of superfoods. So it's just a super nutrient dense approach. Um, but the, the real unique thing about this retreat is that it's all in alignment with the ayahuasca dietary protocol. So there's a specific Mm -hmm. protocol that you follow leading into ceremonies that really prepares the body for these for the deep healing that you're going to experience so over the years I've really dialed in what that nutrition protocol looks like based on all the ancient traditions but also based on just more modern day knowledge about yes we want a really simple bland diet moving into these ceremonies but we also want people really nourished and we want them you know really having access to these superfoods and just basically a really nutrient dense approach, um, within the simplicity of the Mm. ayahuasca dietary protocol. So there's that aspect. So they're eating really clean. I also ask, you know, we recommend that our our guests start eating plant-based, uh, at least, you know, a couple weeks out and detoxify from caffeine, processed sugar, like things that they're going to detoxify from when they're on the retreat, if they don't do it beforehand. So, you know, if someone's, if someone's addicted to coffee and they come to this experience, they're going to have major withdrawal symptoms like the first couple days of the experience. So it's like, do yourself a favor, wean yourself off coffee like a week in advance or, you know, any, any, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, like any other recreational things that they're doing that are just not, um, let's say the cleanest lifestyle approach. Um, so we just have that recommendation so that they're preparing the body 
um, detoxifying, releasing anything that's that's acidic, toxic in their system. So then when they come to the retreat, um, they can really experience what it feels like to be at their their fullest potential. Let's mm-hmm. say, you know, full energy, clarity, sleeping well, you know, um, mm-hmm. lots of stable energy throughout the day. Um, and so that process in, in and of itself is really powerful for people because they're like, wow, I've been plant-based for almost a month now in preparation for this retreat. <laughs> and um, they really feel a huge difference. So, yeah. Um, so you do, you do this kind of mercy. Okay. So, so there's like yoga, Pilates and movement and uh, plant-based, um, you know, amazing meals. And then you take them on the waterfalls and hikes yes. and all of that. Yes. But then the, I mean, why we're talking to you about this today, you also host. So there are two, uh, yes. ayahuasca is it only ayahuasca ceremonies or other yes. plants as well yeah so we we uh, i specifically work with ayahuasca that's my you know master teacher plan i've been working with for so many years and there is um another tradition that's used called rape or hape you might have heard that it's a it's a shamanic it's a shamanic tradition that's used in in conjunction with ayahuasca ceremonies so that's used it's a different um tobacco-based uh, shamanic snuff that's actually given to certain participants within the ceremony to help them purge, to help them release things. So that's mm-hmm. another plant medicine, let's say, that's used, um, but ayahuasca is the primary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So so yeah. let's, and, and you have two ceremonies, I think on day, I looked at the schedule on day three and four, so like one yeah. after the other. And I was like, uh, yes. I'm not sure I can handle, you know, two in a row. So tell me about, yes. tell me how did you come to work with this? What was your experience? And then you know, leading, um, leading people through that because, you know, sure. a, lot, a lot of the audience perhaps, so I've done ayahuasca, as I told you before in Brazil. Um, yes. it was an amazing experience, but you know, for me, cause I hear, keep, keep hearing all these stories about, and we were in a beautiful place and it was amazing. And I can only imagine if it was like a proper five day retreat with no internet yes. food, great yes. food, nature, Pilates, hiking, blah, blah. I didn't have that. It was just like yes. a two day experience. Right, but, I, right. but I but I didn't have like major life revelations like oh my god my life has changed and like you know sure. I've, I've been enlightened or whatever it was a great experience but I'm not like I haven't experienced what a lot of people talk about so so tell tell yes. us about that and what are why are people coming there for what can they expect and why should anyone even even try that Sure, sure. So what I'd love to share just to kind of explain to you why we do two ceremonies back to back is that oftentimes the first ceremony, because I mainly work with brand new people, you know, brand new to the medicine, I'd say 95% of my clients mm-hmm. are are brand new to this work. And so that's why we have such a preparation process. So that their body is really ready for the deep dive. Because if you're coming in with like, let's say a lot of toxins in your body, just not the right headspace in terms of like being able to just really center yourself and clear your mind. Like I teach all these meditation techniques, mantras, stuff like that, that we use in ceremony to really facilitate a better experience. So you have all these tools going into it, right? And you've cleared your body, you know, you've really centered yourself, cleared out toxins. So you've prepared yourself for this experience, mind, body, and spirit. We do the two nights back to back because oftentimes the first night is the welcome, right? It's a little crack in the shell. And it's often her working on the physical aspects of yourself that need to be healed. So she's, you know, healer, doctor, plant. So she's, she's working on the physical level. Why do you call her a she? 
Um, because the spirit of ayahuasca is, is often referred to as the grandmother spirit. Um, it's a very feminine spirit. Um, you are interfacing with the spirit of a plant. So it's, it's a very, I know that might sound crazy to you guys, but if you, if you're interested in this work, definitely do some research and, and explore it. But yeah, the spirit of, of the, of the vine is, is feminine. That's how many people describe it. And many people mm. see the spirit of ayahuasca. They interface with her. They talk with her. So it's, it's a very real spirit. <laughs> and so, um, uh, I know it's hard to, to kind of wrap your mind around that if you've never interfaced with the spirit realm, but what ayahuasca allows you to do, it opens up the pineal gland and allows you to interface with the spirit realm. So many people see spirits, they see their ancestors, they interface with the spirit of ayahuasca. So the first ceremony, this, this medicine is working on you on all levels, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. She's helping basically heal, heal you energetically on all dimensions. And so oftentimes though, the first ceremony is quite physical. So you'll experience her working on your physical body. Like you might feel her working on your knee or working on your brain or working on your shoulder, right? Different things that need to be healed. A lot of women experience womb healing. You know, she's like lots of energy and movement happening in the womb space, um, clearing of old energies. Right. And so that, um, then the second night, because the medicine is still in your system, it's in your system for you know 24 hours. So by the second night, the medicine's already in your system, though you're not experiencing any visions, of course. It's still in your bloodstream. When you go the second night, that's when you can get to the deeper layers. That's when you can really push past the physical layers into the more emotional body, the, the astral. You're really getting into the deep ancestral work right? Deep healing, um, on, on levels that most people are coming for, you know, most people are coming for that deep healing, um, and connection to their soul, to their heart, to source energy, right? That's when many people, you know, yeah. hit that enlightened state of, of that sense of enlightenment where they are one with everything. And when, so anyway, that's, that's why we do the ceremonies back to back is because it often facilitates that it kind of guarantees that someone gets into that space for themselves. Interesting. Okay, yeah. awesome. And yeah, so why would someone, um, why would someone even even go and and so I know there's a lot of fears around ayahuasca, and I myself sure. was like, I was scared. We did it with my partner in Brazil, but I just said, you know what, like whatever happens, happens. And I had these yes. incredible visions and colors and it was, <laughs> we were like in the hut for like eight hours and yes. it was yes. just crazy. I'd, I'd love to do, it, but now, you know, a, a pregnant and like baby, whatever. Um, so sure. why would, why would someone, so if someone is listening, who would you recommend this for and what kind of, um, yeah, talk to us about some of the transformation that you've seen in your life and what have you understood. Sure. And so I assume it happens on the kind of subconscious level. It's not like you oh, understand yes. and something and, and then, and yeah. So, yeah. So many people, the people who are attracted to this work are very much already on the spiritual path. You know, they're already, let's say yogis, meditators, they're, they're having a spiritual awakening to some extent, that's what I would kind of define it as, where they're really realizing a lot more about themselves, about their patterns, about things they need to heal in their lives. They're realizing like, I don't want to create, I don't want to repeat the same patterns over and over again. I find myself in like the same mental dialogue, the same relationships with people. I, I don't know how to kind of break out of this. Let's say they feel, they're feeling stuck. They're feeling in transition, you know, 
and they're wanting some clearer answers about what their purpose is, about, you know, yeah, basically why they're here in this life. So a lot of people are seeking that understanding. Also, many people are seeking connection to their spirit, connection to their heart. In modern day society, we're very disconnected from ourselves. We're very disconnected from each other, from the earth. It's just kind of the way our society has bred us over all these, you know, last thousands of years, let's say. And so to to really help people reconnect to that in a, and reconnect to their spirit and their heart and to source energy, where they come from, where they're going when they pass on. Like that is something that many people are fascinated to, to experience, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, but people come for the healing. I mean, people who are really looking to, whether it's heal physical ailments, it's to heal emotional baggage and trauma that they've been carrying in this life from past lives, from their ancestors. You know, there's a lot of energetics happening within our bodies, uh, a lot of pain and trauma that we're holding in our bodies that we can't get to just like through trauma through talk therapy, you know, traditional methods of, yeah. of healing that it has to happen on an energetic level. Um, because people feel that, you know, they feel like there's the block, they feel there's something that they need to shift, but they just can't get to it through just yoga meditation. And, um, and let's say like nutrition, like, so this is how I fell into ayahuasca is that, you know, I was that hardcore yogi, you know, raw foodist, like, you know, it really on the path like really on a spiritual path, like if you, like no substances, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't smoking marijuana. Like there, like I was so straight edge and, and I was all in the effort of, of like, I want to be, I want to be connected to my highest self. I want to like go through this kind of spiritual ascension process. And when I was learning about ayahuasca, that's when I was really like, Oh my gosh, like this could be a great way for me to connect to myself in the deepest way that might take me you know, I might never experience this in my life unless I go sit on a mountain somewhere in the Himalayas and meditate for 40 years straight. Like I'm not going to connect it at that level, you know? Um, and so I just realized, you know, this, this could be the next step in my, in my own healing and my spiritual awakening. So that's really what, um, why I stepped onto the path. And, um, so that's people experience all sorts of um, miraculous healing, whether it's from cancer, autoimmune disorders. Um, I have had many clients with all sorts of issues that like Western medicine just cannot even touch. They've been to every doctor, every sort of technique, method, drug, right? Whatever the the Western med approach is trying to offer them acupuncture, you know, they've kind of gone through the gamut of things and they come to Costa Rica to work in this, you know, ancient shamanic tradition because they're seek, they need healing and they just are out of, out of, um, they've tried everything already. And so, mm-hmm. and the reason why ayahuasca is so powerful for healing is it works on your subconscious mind, of course. So it's helping you rewire a lot of your, your self, your uh, subconscious. So the things that you've been suppressing, um, emotional baggage, right? Trauma, things that you've been suppressing in your life. Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca opens up that door, brings up all of that for you to ex- see experience and process. So then you can release it and it's no longer, let's say weighing you down. And so like my first ceremony felt like 10 years of emotional baggage was released. I cried mm-hmm. for like four hours, you know, I connected to my heart in a way that I didn't even know was possible. The love I felt for myself and for my fellow, you know, ceremony members. And just like, there were so many beautiful things, so many lessons I learned, but really the the clean sweep of, let's say my emotional baggage, my heart, you know, um, was so profound and, and the clarity that came from that, you know, this mental clarity about, wow, I can't believe I, I haven't let myself cry in like 10 years. 
And mm-hmm. all of that suppressed emotion, it doesn't go anywhere. It just starts to wreak havoc on you. Yeah, and it, it starts- stays in the body. Yes, exactly. And so there's, unless you're processing it and releasing it and facing it, you know, facing your shadow, facing the things that you don't let yourself face typically in your conscious walking everyday life, um, this work will help you realize that. And so I think a huge part of the healing that people experience is the emotional root of a lot of their physical ailments. So, you know, cancer, for example, I I would say, you know, based on my experience with ayahuasca and the healings I've seen, um, so much of it is that there's an emotional root, the emotional body is radically affected, which is, you know, based on trauma and things that have happened in their life that manifests in the physical body. And so when you get to the emotional root of why that, of that physical issue and you clear the emotional root, then the physical issue like just automatically is, is being healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a nutshell version. Mm-hmm. I could talk about it for hours, but that's like, I know. Yeah. love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I've seen a documentary where I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was working actually using ayahuasca for drug addictions and uh, yes. like curing drug addiction and it had much more successful rates than you know traditional medicine and really people were uh, traditional I say you know the current western medicine people were really coming yeah. there that have tried everything and it really doesn't work it's so right. wow, amazing and so so I would recommend it to everyone while you were talking I just remember it like when you talked about love and I just remember being in that state of oneness and just yeah. so much love for for everything and everyone and it was just yeah. amazing like I oh I, I, I I'm definitely gonna do it again me and my partner talking about this um so so Amber tell us oh, I know that there's a lot of like these ceremonies especially in um Latin America and I mean yeah. I would definitely keep you in mind and next time we're in Latin America I would for sure check out the next retreat you're doing and everything but how how does one um choose a retreat or a ceremony that's like proper because there's a lot of stuff out there that's you know geared toward tourists and whatever and then I guess there's nothing worse than getting into a bad planned ceremony situation where it just absolutely Absolutely. yeah so it has to be I mean properly done because yes you never I mean this is serious business it's not like you go (laughs) yeah so tell us about that and how do we choose and maybe some resources online where maybe there's like a trusted resource or something like that for people to... Yeah, so definitely, you know, if you guys are looking to do this deep dive work, know that safety is number one, absolutely number one. Um, when you're working in these realms that you don't understand, you know, standard standard modern day people have no idea, you know, what's going on in the mm-hmm. spirit realm. And so you are stepping into an entirely different realm, a totally different world. And you need to have a trusted guide. You need to have someone who's extremely experienced, who is is has been working in this tradition for at least 10 plus years serving medicine, um, not just drinking ayahuasca for 10 years, but serving it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So really knowing, um, having a lot of different you want to go to someone who has an amazing track record, you know, so looking at testimonials, um, asking for referrals from friends, you know, really finding someone that you resonate with. And I've sat with a lot of different shaman over the years in Peru, in Costa Rica. And for me, what really has always resonated with me is working with a a female uh, medicine woman. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so that's, you know, my retreats are, I work with a, of course, I'm not serving medicine. I'm working with a, a very experienced medicine woman in Costa Rica. And I bring all of my retreat groups to her because for me, she's really embodies the feminine spirit of the medicine. She's a mother herself. You know, she's very motherly in her ceremony. She's always helping, walking around, assisting people. And you really want that hands-on approach. There's a lot of traditions out there where you're working with a male shaman um, and the, the shaman just basically sits at the front of the group and they just serve you your ayahuasca and it's like, good luck. You know, there's no support in terms of, okay, like if you're purging, if you need someone to walk you to the bathroom, if you need someone to clean your purge bucket, if you need someone just to sit with you, you know, yeah. people go through deep, deep emotional clearing and they, they often need someone to sit there with them. So, so with that being said, you know, looking for smaller ceremonies where, you know, you have let's say 10 to 15 people max, you're, you're in a very safe container. So the environment you're in, you know, is super safe. Um, it's, it's enclosed. You're not going to have like people coming in and out that aren't a part of this work with you. Um, that you have many assistants in the temple space. You have an amazing uh, medicine person that you really trust that you have references and testimonials from. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say, you know, the, Number one thing I look for is, like I said, those intimate groups. The they need to have a health screening. If they're not screening you for for your health, mm -hmm. that's a really big red flag. Um, if you go into a ceremony with people who have heart conditions, who are on SSRIs like antidepressants, anti anxiety meds, they can they can die. I mean, if if you're not screening people properly and they already have health mm -hmm. complications that are contraindicated with ayahuasca, people can die. That's why people have died in ceremonies because they had, let's say, major heart issues. They had, you know, they were already um, kind of experiencing a, a, psych, a psychological break. They were already like, let's say, bipolar or had, they were on meds for that sort of thing. And they go into this sort of experience and they have major, major issues. So the health screening is very important and we don't take that lightly. Like I have um, health uh, intake form. I have interviews with every single retreat guest that comes to join me because it's very important that they understand the magnitude of what they're stepping into and, and really the, the severity of the consequences if they're not being really honest with me about their health. Um, and so, yeah, we, we talk about all of that. So just be, just be aware. If you, if you go to a place like Peru where ayahuasca is basically a tourist industry now, unfortunately, um, and you just kind of walk into a ceremony with 30 people who haven't been health screened, um, it's a very unsafe container. And you really just want to be really aware <laughs> of who you're sitting with, the environment, the shaman, all of that's good stuff. So yeah, um, I can definitely recommend some amazing retreat centers that um, I've heard in incredible things about. There's a couple in Peru. Um, the, the Temple of the Way of Light is one. They have a lot of female uh, medicine carriers there who serve ceremonies who are in the Shipibo tradition, which is the ancient um, Peruvian tradition working with ayahuasca. So working with those who have, you know, uh, generations and generations of experience. So this work has been passed on. Maybe they're like fifth generation, you know, Shipibo mm -hmm. shaman. You want to work with those types of people. Um, so the Temple of the Way of Light is awesome. I've also heard Niwe Rao is another incredible retreat center down there. In Costa Rica, Rhythmia uh, is a newer place that's in incredible. Uh, also, Posada Natura, where I take my retreat groups, is, uh, is you know, has been my home base for five years. So those are, I'd say, the top four that I know of personally that I've had, you know, friends, family, and, um, and, and guests of mine really report being the, the best. So...
Great. Thank you so much. And we're going to link to uh, the retreats that you mentioned in, in the show notes so everyone listening can get, get to that. Um, great. So let's switch gears, Ember, and talk about sure. love and relationship yeah. and marriage. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Such a, such a transition, right? Um, yeah. But re- real quick, actually, I forgot to ask you one question. So ayahuasca, we know, uh, like we talked about this grandmother energy, all of that. Sure. I've heard about Iboga being sure. the, the grandfather. And then you mentioned on your site, uh, Hua Chuma, Bufo, and Kambo. So what are all of these and what do they do? <laughs> yes, great question. So so Wachuma is San Pedro, so it's a cactus. Um, so for those of you who are, uh, there's San Pedro, there's peyote, right? Peyote is used in the Native American tradition in the United States and parts of Mexico. And San Pedro is the cactus that's a, it's a visionary medicine that's used in the Andes and the Sacred Valley uh, is where it's, it grows in Peru. And so there's an incredible, uh, you know, ancient tradition with Wachuma. And I would, you know, they're, each visionary medicine, it has their own, let's say, teacher aspect, right? And healing aspect. Um, Wachuma, for me, when I've experienced it, it's very much um, a heart clearing. So it's very focused on the heart. It's um, mm. a lot of people are working with their ancestors within this medicine as well. It's very ancestral based. Um, the shaman I worked with, like he has you choose before you even drink the medicine, they have you choose which line, the masculine or the feminine line in your heritage you want to work on. Yeah. So it's like a lot of people interface with their ancestors and clear generations of emotional baggage and, and mm-hmm. things that need to be processed. So that is not passed on to future generations, basically. So lots of really cool ancestral work done there. Um, it's also extremely beautiful, connects you to the, to nature in a way that is just indescribable, uh, feeling one with nature, breathing with nature, just, yeah, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful medicine. It's not nearly as intense as ayahuasca. So it's, it's oftentimes a good gateway. If you're looking to kind of step into the visionary medicine world, it's, um, softer, let's say, in its approach, um, ayahuasca can be, you know, a really big deep dive. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, Bufo, or uh, otherwise known as 5-MeO-DMT, is basically the purest DMT molecule that you can work with um, in its purest form, meaning that, because uh, DMT is what's activated um, with, or is what's released in the body during an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, so you are experiencing a DMT uh, release, which is why you can open your pineal gland and connect to spirit. That's that's what's happening in an ayahuasca ceremony. But with ayahuasca, you're in this journey for six hours. You're experiencing a, a basically a ride in a whole roller coaster ride through your subconscious and spirits, and you're you know, and you're in this experience for six hours. Now with bufo, um, what you're experiencing is like a short 15 minute experience. It's like a rocket ship to enlightenment. It's really wow. intense. Um, it can feel like a near death experience. Your, your soul leaves the body. It's, it's very powerful. It's, um, yeah, I, I've only experienced it once. It's something that I definitely don't recommend for someone who's brand new to this work. It's very, very intense. It's very life changing, of course, as well. Um, but Mm -hmm. very powerful and, um, short. (laughs) So some people, uh, I would say abuse it because it, it's a, a short kind of quick fix to and reset for people. Um, without a lot of integration, it can be uh, challenging. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. feel free to check into it. Uh, you know, look it up. But it's uh, definitely something I would be very cautious of. Um, very powerful medicine. Mm-hmm. And then let's see, what was the last one? It was combo iboga and okay, Kumbo. so iboga. Mm-hmm. So iboga is um, a, a bark of a tree from Africa. Um, 
And it's really, uh, wow. Um, for those who are dealing with heroin and opiate addiction or like really, really just all encompassing addictions, that is the go-to uh, medicine. It's uh, basically kind of uh, radically rewires the brain, works on the, on the reptilian part of the brain. So really all those kind of patterns and addiction patterns, it really basically just pulls them out. <laughs> so people have a, a complete reset. People who are, have been struggling with heroin or opiate addiction for you know a long time, they'll go to an iboga ceremony and be completely reset, like literally where they don't have any urge to be <laughs> using a substance. Like it's really intense. That is, I'd say iboga is the most, uh, let's say, I've not experienced it myself, but I've heard a lot of stories and worked with a lot of people who've worked with it. And it's, it's very, very um, intense. Mm. I would say the most intense. You're, you're in this journey for 12 hours and it's like really, really, really intense for 12 hours. <laughs> so yeah. it's, just way, I mean, like, it's, it's the ultimate reset. It's the ultimate clearing. So if you're, if you're really wanting to, to dive that deep, that, that would be the approach. <laughs> I've, I've actually interviewed uh, a woman who had, um, you know, on the podcast, I'm trying to find the episode number now so everybody can go listen, but she had like severe bulimia um, yes. addiction. Yes. And she said that she's tried basically everything. And the only thing that helped her that she finally went and did, did the iboga uh, ceremony. And it was, it was crazy, but you know, amazing at the same time. I think it was episode 21 or something. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. All right. Yes. Cool. And the last one, the last combo, one combo. Yeah. So, so combo is also an incredible ancient tradition out of the Amazon. And what it, they use is actually the poison uh, off of the back of a frog. So there's a specific type of frog and they actually kind of brush and scrape the, the poison that this frog secretes off the back of the frog. Mm-hmm. And it's dried and it's used. Um, they actually burn holes in your skin on certain areas of the body. So they'll do like mm-hmm. a row of five or six. They burn holes and then they'll put, they'll apply the, the poison also medicine because <laughs> um, it's, it's all about the dosage, right? So a certain, a certain amount is extremely healing. So what uh, combo does it works on the nervous system. So it's like a, it's, I mean, it can kind of feel like you're being, um, it's like all of your nerves are being electrified. And so it works on um, clearing the physical body and the energetic body. So in the Amazon, it's used to heal people of all sorts of um, whether it's like a virus or it's you know, some bacterial infection or it's, it's basically a massive anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antiparasite. It works. It has like, it's 4,000 times more powerful than morphine and its ability to mm. deal with pain. So it was, it was discovered by actually an ayahuascaro, a shaman who was looking to heal his village. Um, people had come down with some like really crazy virus in the jungle and he, people were dying and he had no idea how to heal them, even though he had all these plants and other modalities. And so he had this vision in this ayahuasca ceremony and like go to this frog, do this thing, like sing to the frog, you scribe it, like the, literally the whole download about how to do this. And then he started doing this with his, his tribes, his, uh, you know, his people and it healed all of them. And so what it, what it looks like, it's, it's like a 15 minute ceremony and you are, you drink a lot of water leading into it because it makes you purge. It's a, it's a very, you know, your body's reacting like it's a poison. So you're, you're definitely purging a lot. But what it's doing is it's, it's clearing the physical body, the energetic body of just lower vibrational, anything that's lower vibrational in your system. So mm. um, it's, it looks like chugging water, purging, chugging water, purging. Like purging. That, if you were to look at it from that, yeah, purging. Like, when I mean, you it's say purging, purge. like throwing up, you mean? Throwing up, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, and it can be 
really violent. I mean, you're, you're really releasing what comes out of you is like some people have like black mucoid plaque coming out of their body. Like they have, yeah, like green, green, like just lots of intense, let's say color. (laughs) Not a lot of I'm I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I I just decided. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things like you fully surrender your, it's short though. It's a very short lived experience. Like you're purging for probably five minutes max. Mm -hmm. And, and then at the end you just feel completely, um, um, reset, re-energized. Um, so people, it was used a lot to help people cut negative energies from their aura. So let's say you have entities connected to you, things that are just weighing you down energetically. It helps to cut those from your aura, helps cleanse the body, major detox basically um, in a short period of time. And then like, I always feel superhuman. The next day it's like, crazy energy, just like super strong, centered, clear, you know, so a a lot of the warriors used it in the Amazon to help them prepare for, for hunting, for, you know, battle, whatever it was that they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, but definitely look into it. There's a ton of research on combo. It's legal all over the world. It's being, you know, used in many, many therapeutic, Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's say centers and things like that. So it's, it's much more accessible than let's say the other visionary medicines. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not visionary. So combo, there's no, there's no consciousness shift that's happening. It's just a physical experience. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. Thanks for educating all of us. Sure. I had no yeah. idea about some of these plants and it, it definitely sounds incredible. That's why you're like a superwoman every day, writing all these <laughs> constantly and doing this and doing that. I'm like, you're really harnessing the power of the medicine. You know, oh, being very much so. And everything. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. All right. <laughs> so uh, for the last, you know, a couple of minutes that we've got, um, you know, maybe yeah. 10, 10 minutes or so, let's talk about uh, marriage. And, and yes. so you've just been recently married and I watched your video, um, you know, oh. the reel, the wedding reel is beautiful. It brought Thank tears you. to my eyes because I'm, I'm recently married myself, maybe about six months. Um, oh, a bit more. Yeah. And um, so how is, how is being married um, actually different? Do you feel, do you feel the difference? A lot of people say, like there's no difference for me. There was a difference, um, yeah. but I'm curious to see to to hear from you. Have you like how is married life now that you are actually you know in a marriage and and is it different? And if so, yes, how? yeah. So you know, I'd say for me, marriage was a huge rite of passage. I I really didn't know how much it would mean to me until I was experiencing it. Because, you know, JP and I will both share uh, separately that we both never thought we'd get married. We both never thought we'd have kids. You know, we were the solo entrepreneur doing our thing on purpose, you know, just really focused on work. And and for sure, we wanted, you know, partners in our lives. But I always thought, oh, I'll have just like a long-term partner, but we will never get married. We'll never go through like the traditional things. Like I just, I didn't resonate with that. And it was kind of anti this whole marriage thing. Um, and basically the constitution of marriage, right? With the government involved and all this stuff. So I, you know, I just was kind of against it. But when I met JP, it was very clear to me like, oh, this is why I've never really wanted to be married because I needed to meet this person. Like I needed to go through my own inner healing and transformation to be able to attract my soulmate. It feels like a, a major soulmate to me, um, a sacred partner who I'm here to do like some big work in this world with, um, you know? And uh, so when I met JP and he'll say the same thing, we were like, 
oh my gosh, he, he, he'll tell you like when he was flying down to Costa Rica the first time to be with me to go on our first date or whatever, he knew he was going to meet his wife. It was like very clear to him that this woman is going to be my wife and she's probably gonna have my kids. Right. Like really clear. We were talking about kids like within the first couple months of knowing each other. And so in our relationship developed online. So we, cause we were in different countries running our businesses. Mm-hmm. And so we had to learn how to communicate really clearly through Skype and just like having, building a relationship online. Um, so by the time he came to Costa Rica, it was like, yes, like I want her to, she's going to be my wife. Like I, I, I just know it. And so, um, that's like an intuitive, you know, kind of, let's say soul heart centered, uh, feeling. And so, um, you know, for me being married, this was like a huge rite of passage for me. It brought together both of our families, uh, for me to have like the approval from my dad and from my mom, mm-hmm. you know, for them, it's just felt like a big, um, release for them. They don't have to worry so much about me. I think for so many years, they were like, what's going to, what they're going to do? I know. My parents like, were the same. They're like, okay, we don't have to worry about you anymore. I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Like, what were right. you worried? Exactly. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's like this sense of just like peace now. And like, they feel content and happy knowing that I'm with someone like JP who can, who he, they, they love respect and know will take care of me. Like there's something just different in, in that, mm-hmm. their energy that really makes me feel good. Um, and having their approval, of course, even though I always said like, it doesn't matter. It does matter. <laughs> it did matter to me that my dad really loved my, my partner and really loved him and honored him and respected him. Like it really matters. Cause I've had past partners where they didn't like my partner, you know, and they, or their, their, my partner's family didn't like me. And that's just a really, that's a really bad scenario to be in. So anyway, um, the, the marriage really felt like a rite of passage for me too. I, there was a ton of emotion involved. I was crying the whole day at the wedding, like to really be, to really be chosen. Um, and, I think that was the biggest, the biggest kind of revelation was like, I never knew how much that would mean to me to be chosen by someone so fully, like someone who's so willing to commit to me in all of my imperfections, right? The light and the dark sides of me, he loves me unconditionally. And that was just, wow. Like never experienced that in my life. Right. And so, so then marriage life has been this new level of commitment, right? Even though we were already super, super committed and very much on the path towards, you know, building our lives together, this new level of commitment being in this marriage or whatever has been, um, yeah, there's just like a a peace and contentment that comes with it where there's, there's no longer, you're no longer questioning, is this going to be something? Is this going to, you know, it just kind of creates more solid foundation, let's say it feels more solid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I share so much of what you're saying. And, and for me, I was never the girl who wanted to get married. And in fact, yeah. I, I shared your views. Um, you know, I never thought about it much. Yeah, whatever, maybe it will happen. And I was all um, caught up in this traditional way. And, you know, all of these things, especially now that there's so much divorce going on and everything. Yes. I was like, nah, not for me, especially exactly. children as well. Like I never thought yeah. that about children. I never wanted a kid. In fact, I don't like, I'm having some discussions with girlfriends now. One of them like really wants to get pregnant children while her relationship is not stable. And I'm like, right. right. You know, it's like children for me were always connected to a, to a man. Well, because I'm heterosexual because it's sure. family creation. It's, I never looked at this as to fill my own holes or my own gaps yes. or what, yes. like, you know, so it's really yes. interesting how, and you're right. A lot of things change with marriage and it's that families coming together. I had a big wedding, yes. with, well, a small wedding, but everybody flew from all over the world. And I know in oh. your case it was from all over the U S and it's yes. the witnessing and the presence. And it's also some sort of, for me, um, 
you know, his family welcoming me as a a lawful, I guess, you know, wife into the family and Uh passing down, you know, I took his family name. I know you did as well. For me, this was big. And then, you know, I know that our child and now I'm pregnant and it's like, you know, coming together. I know that our child is coming to this family. And so I don't know, you're like, I absolutely resonate with everything you said. It's such a, it's a rite of passage for, and to be chosen. You're right. Like I, I talk now about how don't force him to propose. Don't talk about marriage. Right. Like he right. needs to make the decision and he needs to choose you as his wife and propose. And then you decide yes or no. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Know? So I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like that, that being chosen, being really, you know, when you meet that partner who is, mm. that's how, you know, if someone is just like, this is, you are the one and you are the only one I want to be with in my life. Like that choice, there's, there's nothing more powerful than that. And, and sure, like you can on the inside have chosen that partner for yourself, of course. Um, and like, you know, kind of old stereotypes aside, like the guy asking the girl out, the guy asking the girl to marry him, like, you know, a lot of those rules have been kind of mixed up and shifted around. And a lot of women are asking their, their man, you know, like, will you marry me? Like that's a a thing nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I think there's something to be said, um, for someone who is like myself and someone like you, Anna, it sounds like, you know, you are super driven businesswoman. Like you're in your, you're in your power, right? You've got a lot going for you and you don't need to just settle for it for anybody. And so, but for us to be, to not be the one deciding, let's say in the way that like you're asking, right. For us to be the more feminine, let's say, and be, be asked and then choose right? And be willing to receive that sort of commitment is, is really powerful. For me, it was receiving it. To be able to receive that sort of unconditional love was a new lesson for me of like, wow, I, can, I actually deserve this. I actually deserve this and I deserve to receive this sort of partner. And I just need to like jump in, jump in fully and not be afraid of it. Because I think in the past, I would have pushed it away. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my work that I do with women is stepping into that femininity, and especially for us, the alpha, like mm-hmm. I have a lot of masculine energy. Yeah. It was such a yeah. learning process to trust, yeah. surrender, let him lead, let him yeah. make, you know, we make the decisions together, but a lot of the decisions are on him, take responsibility, all of that. And yes. I live, I, I live a free life now. You know, I don't have to push that hard right. and decide like push, push in that, all the yeah. masculine, like that's not for me. Yeah. Um, beautiful. And let's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying, I love, I love everything you're sharing. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's finish up with one last question. And that sure. is your, uh, something you posted on Instagram that I loved about how our soulmates um, yeah. are a gigantic mirror. And I yes. love how you shared that. And it happened with me. And, you know, we, I talked to a lot of women about this and I, and I see that they themselves are not whole yet uh, yes. and I'm not saying like I'm completely whole and enlightened <laughs> but I know sure. deep down inside that and and this is a partnership that I've created and hope to sustain and magnify and this is I think well first of all there is polarity in the relationship because yes each, each of us is playing the roles that they're supposed to play or they identify with um, but second this whole idea of I was whole when I met him, I didn't want, exactly. in fact, it was exactly at the time where I have finally 
released myself from men emotionally. So I achieved emotional freedom where, oh my God, I was this girl and I know millions of women around the world are like this, like waiting for his message and not understanding where this is going. Yes. And will he yes. call me and let me free up my time just so that he could, you know? And yes. then finally, when I came to a place, I was in Colombia, we were both traveling when I was like, you know what? I'm free. I don't need them to call me. I don't need them yes. to make my wounds. I don't need to be anything for anyone. And this yes. is exactly where I met him. And then so oh, this really? partnership was created. And so I think this is similar to what mm. you were sharing as well. So please yeah. share with us your, the gigantic mirror principle of the soulmate. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think all the people that come into our lives are mirrors, right? Like they're just mm -hmm. super, super powerful teachers. And like my, my last relationship was the exact opposite. We were very negative mirrors for each other. We brought out the worst in each other. You know, we triggered each other, our deepest traumas. We would, it was like, wow, how, though we had such a strong pull towards each other, there was also like just so much darkness being revealed. We, we just pulled out the worst in each other. So being with the right partner, I think is, and meeting someone like JP, who's, who's definitely a deep, deep soulmate. Uh, and I recognize that from the minute I met him, I was like, Whoa, okay, this is something. Um, so, you know, how JP and I deal with the mirror, because it's definitely something we're very aware of that we are here to help each other rise and, and really grow separately, right? So grow personally, but also build something mm -hmm. greater together, like a third pillar of, of, of something together. And in order to do that, we both have to be very willing to look in the mirror and realize when we're projecting and when, when we have our filters up, right? Like it's, we definitely all have filters of, from our past experiences that really color how we see our partner. So being really taking radical self-responsibility for how we experience each other um because we all know we like we both realize we have our own filters we have our own projections that we project onto each other so jp is a really powerful mirror for me in that way where i realize with him immediately like oh wow i just projected a whole thing onto him that was totally not him but it comes from a past partner it comes from you know when i was 16 years old or whatever it comes from somewhere and um and so i'm projecting that onto him but that's not his truth and so he'll you know hold me and be like Babe, like that, that's not my truth. That's not how I, eh, that's not what I'm experiencing right now. So, you know, like we just, we check each other. And I think that that's part of the, the sacred union is, is how do we hold each other in our highest expression, our highest selves consistently. And so one of the communication skills that we've really loved and fallen in love with is this process of like when someone gets triggered in a relationship, whether it's me or JP, the other person in that moment is is really doing their best to hold that person in their highest. So it's like, you know, really clear communication about, okay, so I, I, I can sense you're, you're experiencing something, um, but like, let's, let's talk this out in a way where we can just basically calm the trigger pretty quickly. And, and I can call you into the highest version of yourself. Like, so what would the highest version of yourself do in this moment <laughs> without the trigger? You know, what would, what would that person be thinking or, or doing it? And it's hard for someone to see that when they're in that deep emotional place. Um, and they don't really necessarily know where that trigger is coming from. It might be past life. It might be, you know, when you're a kid, there might be like lots of layers to it. So sometimes just, it doesn't really matter where it's coming. It doesn't matter, right? It yeah. doesn't matter. It's just like having that partner that can hold the space for that yeah. and, and be compassionate and patient within that is, is really key. Yeah, I definitely experienced that. And for, for a lot of women um, listening, um, you know, not everyone, Ember, is with a conscious partner like you are. And totally. JP clearly is like yeah. a man who's like <clears throat> elevated to the, to the next <laughs> level of consciousness. But sure. I can share my experience for everybody who's like, yeah, 
whatever, my man will never have a, ooh, what's triggering you the conversation? And let me have <laughs> sure, space sure. for you, you know? So my man is not like that. And, and I'll okay. just share quickly. Yes, what, what I do um, is that every time we have a fight or whatever, and it hurts me deeply, sure. what I do, I don't react right away. I mean, I do in a conversation, but we never get to raising our voices, calling our uh, us names, whatever. And then I retreat and then I take some time to really think mm. about, feel into it and be like, hmm, what is the feeling? What do I need? Um, what, what, am I, what am I missing? And a lot of times, I mean, like David Data, I'm a big fan of David Data. He says, the woman who's complaining about something is rarely complaining about that specific issue. It all comes from, I want to be loved and I want to be yeah. seen. And uh, so I do this kind of self talk and realization everything and by the time i've kind of processed it because i know it's mine and how mm. i react to it and how i deal with it and then when sure. we come together again he either realizes something that you know he's talked not in the right way whatever and then i come in not angry anymore he's always giving me comments about how i cool off so quickly and I, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. and that's the secret to the relationship because i don't hold it in i kind of let it out and i cry sometimes yeah. by myself yeah. and everything but then we come together and we kind of rekindle and, and so so yeah, so for all of the women who are like, yeah, whatever, that's not my man. Like the work, the work is on us, first of all. And then when we it come is. together and he will rise to it if you are in a space that mm, is very self-reflective and kind of taking responsibility for your own emotions and, and dealing with them. Um, Absolutely. Amber, this is like, you know, we're, we're almost out of time, actually like yeah. one minute and I could be talking to you for hours. This has been so awesome. Um, oh. So let's let's finish up real quick. Um, tell me, let's get to tools and resources. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Tell me, who are some of the people you follow for, let's say, inspiration online or anyone that you could recommend? A couple of names. Oh gosh, wow! So I follow so many inspiring people. I'd say. Um, some of the, the people who really stand out to me, like um, Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Her work is just incredible. She, her expertise is vulnerability and talking about just like your, your relationship with yourself, relationship with others, how you can connect more deeply and more authentically to people. So she's one of my go-tos for uh, interpersonal work and also um, just relationships, like all types of relationships. Um, I'd say another really powerhouse in my life is... Um, Danielle Laporte, you guys might have heard of her as well. Um, super amazing writer, very much in the spiritual self development, you know, area. Uh, I love her work, badass uh, for women empowerment, for just spirituality, all of that. So I'd say those two are really the standout women. Um, Oprah is great as well, of course. Um, I know many, many women love her podcast. She always has incredible, insightful people on her podcast. So those three, I'd say, in terms of women. Um, when it comes to men, uh, Lewis Howes is one that I adore his podcast. Um, Aubrey Marcus is another from On It. Um, he's a he's also done a lot of work with plant medicine. So his his podcast is incredible. He's got really unique people coming on and talking about anything every, and everything in human development, uh, personal development. Uh, Joe Rogan has a really powerful podcast I love to listen to Um, so yeah just kind of those I'd say and the men side of things those three are real powerful uh, for me Lewis is also really great Um, his whole business academy and like how he teaches people how to just be entrepreneurs is really really great too so yeah I'd say those those six cool we're going to link to all of this in the show notes and last is some of the books that you can recommend for us 
Mm. Well, for those of you who are interested in working with ayahuasca, there's one uh, in particular by a PhD. Uh, her name is Rachel Harris. And I believe it's called, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's called like um, something like speaking with ayahuasca. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to give you the, the exact yeah, title. I'm sure we'll um, find it on Amazon. But it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's an inc- incredible read for those who are looking for the scientific literature um, behind ayahuasca. That's your go-to book. Um, other books that have been really pivotal in my life, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, mm-hmm. Also, oh my gosh, um, anything by Carl Jung. <laughs> All of his books are incredible. Um, for, for those in the entrepreneur space, for our work week by Tim Ferriss, anything by Tim Ferriss is incredible. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'd say those, are, those are my yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> awesome. Ember, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, your energy. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, it was amazing. For everyone who wants to follow you online and check out your retreats, where can they go and find out more information? <laughs> Yeah, you guys can go to epicself.com. That's my home base online, my website. Also, Instagram, same thing. Epic Self is my handle on Instagram, Facebook as well under my name, Amber Sears. You can find me there. So yeah, I just love love social media. That's really my, my favorite way to connect with everybody. So feel free to shoot me a DM or something like that on Instagram. I'd love to start the conversation and just say hi. <laughs> awesome. So. Thanks so much, Amber. And we'll chat soon. Awesome. Thanks, Anna. All right, hope you enjoyed this episode with Amber Sears. Um, If you haven't watched any of the videos of her husband, JP Sears, I highly encourage you to go and check it out. And uh, of course, don't forget to join our Facebook group. So girlskill.com slash circle and sign up for the amazing live female success webinar. That's on girlskill.com slash webinar and uh, completely free. All the good stuff is there. And uh, share this episode with a girlfriend who perhaps Perhaps, you know, is interested in ayahuasca or is struggling to find uh, her calling or just needs some inspiration in terms of, you know, healing. I've heard this all plant-based medicine um, really is transformed. I mean, it, it has a powerful, had a powerful effect on my life. And I share this with Ember and with listeners. So, yeah, amazing episode. If you loved it, share it with a girlfriend straight from your pod- podcasting app or send her to girlskill.com slash 81. And uh, all the tools and resources, all the links, because Amber recommends a lot of stuff. Uh, you'll also find at girlskill.com81. All right. I have an awesome week running with the wolves and uh, riding the waves of your feminine, feminine powers. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.